Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I got an email this week that came like a couple of weeks ago, and I finally saw it. I didn't see it before. And it says this, To our beloved church family, thank you for your prayers, cards, and loving welcome back. We thought that such a warm welcome was like a little foretaste of heaven. Isn't that sweet? I'm not going to tell you who it's from, but they're sitting in the back row over there. <laughs> and we love you too, and it is a foretaste of heaven just to be together and to see you guys. Uh, we, we are just uh, so blessed. Let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 2, please. We're almost to the end of chapter 2. We're going to finish chapter 2 today, get into chapter 3 next time. 1 John chapter 2, we looked last time at <clears throat> the anointing of all believers that God has anointed us. He has set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That God has given us His Holy Spirit, and this is the anointing. It's not some special class of believers. It's all those who are true believers in Jesus Christ. We have this anointing which is the Holy Spirit within us. And it, and it teaches us the truth. It helps us to know the truth from the lie. Because the context of what we have in the passage here is that there were people that were, you know, false teachers that were on the scene. And, and, and to know the truth from the lie, we, we have this anointing. We have the power of God's Holy Spirit within us. And putting our trust in Jesus that you know, the, the truth that Jesus is the Christ, He's the answer, He's the Messiah, He's the one we've been waiting for. That's what gives us this, the eternal life that, that He promised to us. So He said there, and, and we're going to look at it here today, He said that this anointing, it remains in us. And, uh, excuse me, there's something under here. Like, what is that doing under my carpet where I stand? Like, this, did one of you guys plant this here? That's weird. Uh, <clears throat> it's like, what, what's that fable? You know, the pee underneath the mattress, all that business. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to where I was. Uh, it says that this anointing, it remains in us. It abides. It stays in us. And it says, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, this idea of remaining it, it, let's first read the verses. This is a Greek word that John uses a lot, especially right here in these verses. And you'll say, well, you know, I'm not a Greek scholar and all that, but there's something here that, that uh, you know, as I've been looking at these verses, that God wants us to, to see. And, and so this Greek word's used over and over again, the Greek word meno. <clears throat> and so we're going to read verses 24 through 29, and I want you to, to look for it. Uh, the version we're reading, it's translated as remain, and we're going to talk about that today. Let's look at verse 24. It says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. 
As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Verse 28, and now, dear children, continue in him. Same word. So that we may have, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So I don't know if you saw it, it was repeated quite a few different times in this passage. Same Greek word. And, and so I had to ask the question, well, what does it mean? We looked at the anointing in this passage last time. But this word remain, what does it mean? It, 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 it literally means to abide. The, the King James, and I like this word, and I, wanna, I want this word to stick in your mind, this word abide. It's not a word that we use frequently in our normal conversation. We have, well, we have a vocabulary of about, about 200 words, right? Uh, something like that. And it's not one of them. It's, it's probably a little more than that, depending on who you are. Uh, but it's not one of the, the words. So, so I want us to kind of have this word in our minds, this word abide. Abide and, and see what he's telling us and what he's trying to say to us. So, so some of the things that come out of this word is to remain, uh, to abide, to stay. To live, to be at home. I like that one. That one kind of stuck out to me. To be at home, to live, to dwell. You know, we, use, we do use this word, the place of abode. We don't use it very often, but you know what that means. The place of abode is what? Your home, where you live. So, so keep that in mind when we're looking at this. Uh, I woke up this morning, I thought, you know, that this idea of home is where the heart is. You know, where is our heart in all this? Where, you know, the deepest parts of who we are, you know, where, where is our heart? Uh, I found this guy, he's called the Greek geek. <clears throat> and he said this about, about this word, he says, to physically stay where you are, continue to live. To keep on keeping on, he said, to stay present where I feel most at home. It's this idea of being settled there. It's, you know, when you think about your home, where, you know, you're settled there, hopefully, unless you've just moved in. You're still getting used to things. But if you've been there a while, it's like you feel at home. This is where you live. This is where you dwell. This is where you abide, right? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay, just seeing if you're here with me. It's good to be, it's good to be home. You know, I, I think about, about this place, and I, and I talk with people from time to time about, you know, where do you belong as uh, a believer? Do you, you know, what church do you belong in? And, and, and you know, I think about this. When, what I always say is you need to be where you are at home where you can settle, where you can be yourself, where you can truly be at home. And, that, and that's what I truly believe. And, and you know, it, it, it's a journey. It's a journey, you know, a search trying to find that place. But once you find it, you don't got to go searching anymore. You know, I don't need to go out looking for another church. Oh, yeah, I work here. But, 
But when you find home, you know, when you find the house you're looking for and, and, you, and, you, and you get settled in, moved in, you're at rest there. It's good to be home. St. Augustine uh, wrote a long, long time ago. He said this, you have made us, speaking to the Lord, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. See, we're, there's this thing, you know, until we find our rest in him, until we truly abide in him and know what this means, there, there's like all kinds of anxiety, all kinds of restlessness, all kinds of problems that we, that we face until it rests in you. So in this passage, uh, some of the things that I, I want to pick out and focus on today, uh, to remain, to live, to be at home with, to be at home, to stay, to abide in God's word, he talks about. Uh, God's word in us, to abide in God and God abiding in us. So these, these things are, are what he's referring to here. This is part of the life of being a believer, of following Jesus, what it is all about. Look at verse 24. He starts there with the word of God. He says, see that what you have heard from the beginning, remains or abides in you. And if it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. So he's talking about God's Word. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, that it abides in you, that it's at home in you, the truth, the Word of God, the Scripture, the the Bibles that we have. I talk about this a lot, and, and this is one of the reasons why I talk about it, because of what he says here is that if this is abiding in us, it's also affecting our relationship with the one that also abides in us, who is God himself. This uh, word, uh, abide there, the form of this word is, is in the uh, present active imperative tense, and what that means is that it's now, and we, it's active and it's a command. It's not something we just kind of take or leave. He's saying, let the truth, let the word of God abide in you. Let it live in you. So I have to ask the question, does that mean we have a choice? Yes. Yeah, we do. We have a choice every single day about whether we're going to open up this book or not. I have a choice every day. Am I going to open up this book for myself? Or I'm just going to wait till Sunday for someone else to open it up for me, and then I don't even open it up then because I, I look at it on my phone. Now, okay, I understand some people, you'll only use phones and, and other devices and that, but I think there's something about having a, a paper copy. I don't know. I may be old-fashioned or whatever, but I got my own at, at home that I can write in. And I know you can write in on your, your devices and all that, but I can write in. I don't write in this one because I leave this one here, but I have one at home. And, and you'll say, man, that looks like a mess <laughs> because there's stuff scribbled all over the place. But, but you know, it's for me, and I want it to, to live in me. I want to live in it. I want it to affect my life. And, 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 and on a daily basis, God uses it in my life. I can't encourage you enough to have that time where you just go. And even if you just read one verse, one chapter, whatever it might be for you that, you, that you let the Word of God get into you. You have to do it. You know, have you ever tried to force somebody to eat something? It doesn't work, doesn't go real well, you know. 
You're going to open their mouth and jam it in there or whatever. It doesn't always work real well. You and I have a choice. He says, now, do something about it. It's imperative. It's, it's essential for us. Uh, a couple other verses in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, there's that word again, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This has something to do with our prayers, our prayer life, that, that as God, uh, his word abides in us, as we abide in him, we live, we dwell, we find our lives in him and his word has the same in us. It affects our prayers. He says, it will be done for you. Now, I think that has something to do with as we have God's word in us and as we are abiding in him, you know, the things we pray for are going to be in line with what his will is, right? Because we know more about him. We know more about his will. But, but I love John chapter 8, the, the verses on top there. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if... If, that's a big if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And we quote this last part, you know, out in all kinds of different situations. That we, we don't really pay t- attention to the context. He says, and you will know the truth. And what? The truth will set you free, but, but, but reading the, the context, what does he say? How are you going to know the, you know the truth? He says, if you have the word of God, if you abide in my word. So, we're, so in 1 John, he's saying the, the truth abiding in us. And now here, Jesus says in, in John 15 that we're abiding in it. We're living in the word of God. The word of God is living in us and something is taking place. Something is happening He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. Not only that, but he says, if if, if this is taking place, you are truly my disciples. You are really followers of Jesus. I I, I don't know uh, that we can be a true follower of Jesus and not have some kind of connection to the Word of God. You know, unless we're in a, in a place, in a, you know, some uh, country, some place where there is no scripture and, and you, have, you have groups like Wycliffe Bible Translator that, that are doing everything they can to get the scripture into the hands of those people. Why? Because it's essential. It's imperative. It's necessary. It's, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, the word of God. God's word in us, us in God's word. We're, we're at home in the word of God. How do you get at home in something? Pardon? You enter it, yeah. That's the first step. And then what? You spend time there. You just stay there. You go back and back again and again. And pretty soon, it's not foreign to you anymore. That's why people say, I, I just can't understand. I can't. Well, you know, have you... Have you, you know, continued in it? Well, I tried it once. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I looked at, uh, you know, Exodus once, and and uh, it was too much for me, so I don't do it anymore. Well, how are you ever going to get comfortable with anything? You know, I ate Brussels sprouts once, and you know, 
I didn't like it, so I'm never going to try it again. You know, there's something about, and again, this is part of what this word means, is to stay there, to remain, to, to live there, to dwell there, to abide in the word of God. And so, again, this word abide, I want to fix that in your minds. Abide, the word of God, we need to abide in it. Let it abide in us. That's point number one. Point number two, look at, at verse, uh, <clears throat> the second half of verse 24. He said, if it does, what? You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So there's this connection with the Word of God and, and us abiding and living in Him, dwelling in Him. There's this connection that, that you and I have. Being in the Word and the Word in us that we dwell, we remain, we live, we are at home in Him. Again, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, this is kind of a hard concept to kind of get across. You know, it's like something that's hard to describe for us to dwell in Him. But, but I think that phrase, you know, you know, where the heart is, you know, I think that kind of helps us understand where is our heart? Is our heart in our relationship with God? Verse 27, jump down to verse 27. He says, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains or abides in you. And we've already shown that this is the, the Holy Spirit himself, that it remains, it abides where? In us. The Holy Spirit. And, and so the Holy Spirit, as we, we saw that scripture in 2 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit, he's been given to us like a down payment, but he's living within us. Now, does he, does he once he gives us that Holy Spirit, the Father gives us the Holy Spirit, does he kind of like leave? Here it says that he remains, he abides, he stays, he dwells there. So if the Holy Spirit is living within us and and and, and he never moves. He never changes. I, I have to ask the question, what, what about us? He says, okay, the, that is staying. Look at verse 28. He says, and now, dear children, you abide in him. At the end of verse uh, 27, just as, as it is taught you, abide in him. So, we are giving this instruction that this is something we need to do. So he doesn't move. He doesn't change. He stays there with us. So when things are not kind of clicking together, what, what happened? Who, who moved? It's us, yeah. Again, there's this... There's this uh, Present active imperative. Again, it's the same tense here for this word that, that we need to be present. We need to make it now. We need to be active in it. And it's a, it's a command, really. It's, it's imperative that you and I, we pay attention to this. Are we, are we going to abide and live our lives in him? That's what he's asking us to do. That's what he's telling us that this is what we are supposed to do. Live our lives in him. Live our lives in His Word, in, 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 in fellowship, in prayer, in worship. We can live a lot of places, right? 
We can live in the world. We can live in our flesh. We can live in the situation uh, 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 all around us. But what about our lives in Him? You say, well, that's kind of, you know, again, this is hard to understand, but, but this, is, this is what walking with Jesus is all about, abiding in Him, living in Him. And we say, well, not much is happening in my Christian life, but, but so, so where are we focusing? What are we, where, where do we spend our time? We know more about, you know, what's on Google than we do what's in the Word of God. We spend more time. You know, it's kind of convicting, isn't it, where if your phone does this and it, it, you know, it, it, it pops up and says, this is how many hours you spent today. Screen time. How many of you have seen that? Some of you won't admit to it. Screen time pops up. I just like brush that away. I don't want to look at that. But we could spend hours and hours looking at the phone, checking the email, checking the news, checking this, checking that. And then we look for things because we're bored and we, we spend, you know, 20 minutes looking at some ridiculous, stupid thing. Oh, isn't that funny and cute? So it, ends, it all adds up and we, we're there 20 minutes on this and 20 minutes on that. And, and before you know, it's a couple hours. And we haven't even opened the book for five minutes. Don't say those convicting things. Why? It's for me too. It's for all of us. You know, where do we spend our lives? Where do we have our focus? What, what is this life as a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer in God? Where is it? What does it mean? What is it all about? It's a walk, isn't it? It's a walk with Him. It's a walk in Him and He in us. Uh, Moses talked about this. Psalm 90, the, the, the prayer of, Mil, of Moses, I'll put it up on the screen. In Psalm 90, it says, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You have been our dwelling place in all generations. This is where, you, you, this is where we live. This is where real life is, in you. How many of us can say that? This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. You and I, we want, you know, we say we want to be a man of God or a woman of God, but, but can we say this along with Moses? Later in verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days. Like, how do we spend our time that we may gain a, wis- a heart of wisdom? Later in, in verse 14, he says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. I love that. Yeah. But you know what? That takes, that takes a present active imperative. That takes us actually doing something. We have a choice. You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this time in the morning where, where you know, the satisfaction, this love that we uh, can find in him, that's what brings the song. That's what brings joy. That's what uh, brings gladness into our lives, this, this devotional life. Uh, you know, do we have a, a devotional life at all, or are we just, you know, uh, as I'll talk about in a minute, we just have fire insurance. I trusted in Jesus Christ. I'm, you know, I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell, but that's about as far as it goes. 
That's not, that's not abiding. That's not following. That's not living in Jesus Christ. That's, that's, like, that, that's just the getting in the door. Psalm 91, I don't know who wrote Psalm 91. Maybe Anthony can tell me. Uh, it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Same thing. This is Old Testament, New Testament. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I looked up the, you know, the meaning of these two words because we have the word dwells and then we have the word abide. And, and the word dwells, it says it, it means to sit down, to dwell, to remain in, to settle, to sit down. He who dwells in the secret place, the shadow of the Most High, shall abide. The word abide means to stay there permanently. This is fixed. You kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about here today? Anybody tracking with me? Abide. What is our life all about? Where do we live? Where are we at home? Where do we spend our time? What is, what is it that, you know, uh, someone said, you know, I live online. We laugh, but you know what? It, it could be true about us. You know, that's where I spend my time. This is where I find my, you know, thing. I live, I live over here at this. I live in this sport. I live for the Patriots. I live for, you know, all the different things that this world has to offer. But he says, I live, I dwell in the secret place, the shadow of the Most High, and I, and I abide. I, he's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's where I go. My God in whom I will trust. Back to 1 John verse 28. says, And now little children abide in Him. Abide, abide, abide in Him. That when He shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Abide in Him. I like it. He gets back to this idea about the return of Jesus, you know. He says, when he appears, because he, he talked about that earlier in, back in verse 18. He says, you know, uh, the, the Antichrist and the Antichrist is coming, uh, that, but, but, you know, there, there are things in the last days that are going to happen. But he says, when he appears, abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed. He's coming back. He's, he's going to return. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when that's going to take place. And how do we want him to find us? How do we prepare for his coming? We abide in him. We abide in his word. We let his word abide in us. We make him our dwelling place. So that when he, when he comes, we're going to be confident. We're not going to be ashamed of where we are, of what we're doing, of what our lives are all about. This word confident means to be bold. It, it means to have freedom in speaking. And, and I, think, 
I think that that's what gives us boldness when we're trying, you know, we care about people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We, we want our family members. And, and, you know, when we're living right and we're dwelling in him and, and his word is a part of our lives, there's a boldness that comes. But when we're, you know, off doing all kinds of weird stuff, how, how, how much do you witness? Right? You know what I mean? It's affected by how and where we live. The ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25, five were ready and five were not. Five were stocked up with the oil and, and they, they were, you know, they were full. And five were not. And, and you know, the, the master came, the, the bridegroom came and, and they weren't ready. Now, I mentioned earlier, you know, fire insurance. It, it, this doesn't mean that... that we're going to lose our salvation or anything like that. But, but it does mean that, that we'll have loss of rewards because we're not living for him. We're not living in him. It's not a part of who we are. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there's no other foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. This, this is the foundation, and we can build on that foundation. He says if we build on it using gold and silver and costly stones or wood hay and stubble he says his work our work will be shown for what it is the day will bring it to light he says it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work if what he has built survives he will receive his reward if it is burned up he will suffer loss he himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be true of me. I don't want to just make it in because of, of you know, my faith in Jesus Christ, but I, I, I want you know, to build. I want to, to, to see the work, the quality that, that is there. I want, I want whatever he has to give. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Look back with me for a second in verse 6. As we wrap this up. Verse 6, he says, Whoever claims to live, and it's that same word, abide. Whoever says he abides in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever says that he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as Jesus did. And then jump down to verse 29. He says, if you know that he is righteous, that is Jesus, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You see, there's this connection with what we say. It's either talk or it's walk in the end. It's talk or it's walk. And what he's saying to you and I is that he wants us to abide. He wants us to live. He wants us to dwell in it. You know what? If we're not willing to do it, you know, go do something else. Go abide somewhere else. Go live somewhere else. If this isn't the right house for you. I'm talking about our walk in Jesus Christ, not this building. But you know what? If, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you know, we, we need to go in all, all in. Full. 
earlier in the chapter, it said that those who didn't belong to him, they didn't remain. They didn't abide. They didn't belong to him, so they left. He says they weren't of us. They left because they were not of us. They didn't abide. Same word. I was thinking about the prodigal son. And you all know the story of the prodigal son, but, but he, he left. He left where? He left home. He left that safe place, that shadow, the, 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 secret, the, the secret place of the Almighty. He left that, that safe place refuge. He left it. Where did he go? He went out into the world and he got so messed up. But what happened? We know the story. And, and this, this gives us, you know, so much hope and so, you know, that, that the Lord is always waiting. And, and, and it says that he finally came to his senses and he realized, you know, he was out there like feeding pigs and he couldn't even eat the pig food. And, but it says he came to his senses and he says he, he went where? He went back home to his father. He says, maybe, maybe my father will allow me to come back. And, and one of the most incredible things, you look and you read the story, it says that his father was looking for him to come back. He was looking. At, it was like he was, he was looking out in the distance to see, is, is his son going to return home? And, and it says that, that when he saw his son, what did he do? It says he ran to him. To, he ran to meet him. That, that, that is so touching, isn't it? The father running to meet the son and he, you know, he put his arms around him. And, and, and so, you know, it's never too late to return. The father wants us home. He wants us to be in that shelter and that, that safe place. He wants to, to, to wrap his arms around us. I had to think, too, about the other brother, you know, who never left. Sometimes, we, you know, we think, oh, you know, I never went anywhere, and, you know, I've always been here, and I stayed, or whatever, and we get kind of an attitude. He got an attitude. But the father said to him, you know what? I have, everything I have is yours. Like, you, you know, you are, you're blessed. Understand. So it's not... It's not that he's saying, you know, we all need to go out so we can come back and get, you know, the the ring and the fatted calf and all that stuff, the party and everything. A couple more scriptures and this this is it. Jesus said, John 15, 1, 15, 4, hard to read that. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine... No more can you except you abide in me. This is a word we need to know about. This is a, this is a concept we need to, to pay attention to, to abide, to live, to dwell in him, our lives in him. And this last verse, John 15, 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my live, live, dwell. Find your home, your dwelling place in his love. Next week, we're going to uh, start chapter 3, and he says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Live there. This is where he wants us to live. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we... We thank you for your word, but we, we, 
we are just human beings and some of these things are way beyond us, but, but by your Holy Spirit, I pray you would make these things clear to us. What it means to truly abide in you. To abide in your word, that, that your word would abide in us. That we, be, we would be sold out. We'd be all, all out for you. And, and we don't know how much time we have left. That we could be confident and unashamed when you come back, when you return for us. Father, let your word affect our lives and who we are. and Challenge us to, to make changes and to make choices that affect who we are and how we live. Let a man examine himself to see whether he's in the faith. And if we are, that we're not just getting in by the skin of our teeth, but we're all in. Think of our friends and our family and our neighbors. They need to hear from us. They need to see Jesus in our lives. Mostly, Lord, we need you. We need you. Abide in my love, he said. He loves you. He loves me. Let's live in that. Let's, let's be at home in that. The love that he has for each one of us. Father, I thank you also for any they might hear these words today that they could turn their hearts to you. They could open their hearts today and allow you to enter in and receive you into their hearts, into their lives. And you would come in and give them forgiveness, eternal life. And today's a good day. You can simply pray and say, Jesus, I'm lost. I, I need help. I need hope. And so I ask you to come in and forgive me, to cleanse me by the blood of the cross. And give me eternal life today. Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and we'll sing one more song.